I'm Chrissy Godfrey, and I'm now a former member, but still much a loved friend of Taunton Transition Town, which I was a co-founder of back in, I think, 2008, quite a long time ago, quite early on. And I was involved, quite heavily involved in what remained a core group. We never managed to do your kind of little working group model, so we just had a very a very hard-working core group. When, when you... When you first come together with other people whom you discover are, are like-minded and there's a very pressing issue at hand and you're learning more about it than you ever thought you'd ever learn and there's a there's a real energy around wanting to be a change maker and wanting to make something happen and that's very exciting it's a very exciting time when a you know there's a new group and and there's all sorts of possibilities out there so this is actually this is actually quite a positive story because the thing i want to say up front really is that any burnout was entirely of my own making it wasn't that transition did this to me it just so happened that at that time i was quite heavily involved in transition but there were other things going on in my life as well i had quite a what i decided was a big responsibility caring for a relative who was having a really tough time at the time as well so it isn't just oh it was all transition there was lots of other stuff going on but I was thinking about, you know, that initial couple of years when there's all the energy of yes going on and, you know, what is it that can create the conditions for potential burnout to occur? And I was thinking there's something around personality types and particular skill sets that might end up being vulnerable to burnout. And so this is sort of, I guess, a little thumbnail of thinking about me and why, why me, because other people haven't. And I think there's something around people being attracted to transition are often people who can see opportunities and they can see possibilities and they get very excited by those. They might be people who are accustomed to doing or to making things happen or to organising things or, you know, whatever. And they might also be people who are quite good at networking. They're quite good at being unafraid of going talking to, to talking to people they don't know or standing up in front of a crowd of people and, you know, talking about stuff that they're passionate about. So I think there's a sort of combination of that sense of people who can see opportunity aren't afraid to go oh let's have a go at this then and are quite good at networking which is brilliant because you need that but what it creates is a lot of things to say yes to and I think there's a lot of us out there in transition land who love to say yes we just do you know you get an idea it's so exciting you just want to roll with it and then there's another idea and you can see how that links to idea number one and then somebody else puts their hand up and says oh but I could you know how about if we build in this bit you go oh fantastic so there's a real sense of momentum that can build up quite early on in a group which is just brilliant you know there's the relationships in the group are starting to flourish and and you're re- there was something very much in our group where there was definitely a kind of a, a crest of a wave that we were riding. You know, the network itself was quite new and huge amounts of, of what I just like to call the energy of yes was happening. And then what happened in our group with this sort of sense of momentum was that a couple of us, again, because of our particular, I don't know, work experience or whatever, got quite good at, get, at building credibility with... I've put in inverted commas in my notes as the authorities, but, you know, the kind of local decision makers or the movers and shakers. And in our case, that was definitely the local council, the borough council. You know, it was fun. It was fun being invited in to talk to the chief exec. And it was fun to, you know, have one of the senior officers allocated to you to say, well, yes, let's do some amazing work with every single employee of Taunton Dean Borough Council, which was great. And as you, you might remember, we did loads of kind of awareness raising workshops with 
them everything from the chief planning officer to the i don't know the legal secretaries to the guy who drives the truck that picks up the dead leaves it was absolutely brilliant and because of that we started to get quite a strong local profile we as a group we would turn up to stuff you know we, we made sure we were quite visible um i certainly went to lots of different community group meetings and we'd be at different public events and then as part of all of that energy there's something about wanting to be a magnet you want to be a bit of a honeypot because you want other people to come and join in and get involved and all of that. And it's lovely. I mean, that's, that is the, that's the real honeymoon period, I think, of transition. And that honeymoon period can last quite a long time. I think for us that lasts about three years. And then there's lots of things that you hope might happen that don't necessarily. Um, and one of the things that doesn't always happen is that loads of people don't turn up to help. And I've been thinking about, over the years, the different ways that people like to get involved in transition. And it's almost, I, I tend, I've started to think of it a bit like a family. So you've kind of got the, you've got the family elders, who are the ones who hold the centre, they hold the fort, they're the decision makers, they're the hosts for things. And then you've got the family members who might like to turn up for, you know, a dinner party or Christmas and roll their sleeves up and do a bit of washing up and bugger off again. And then you might have what I think of as the next door neighbours or the, the people da- or the people down the street who just want to come once in a while for a cup of tea, but that's all they want. They just want a cup of tea and then bugger off again. And then and then you do have your neighbours who don't necessarily want to live in your house, but they want their house to be a bit like yours. So that's my sort of analogy for the you know, the other movers and shakers or the other uh, decision makers in a town. They feel like neighbours. We ended up discovering that you have to work with a kind of a core group of elders who in our case kind of held the centre and then be ready to work with the fact that you might have the family members all want to turn up but they won't necessarily want the level of responsibility that might come from being the elder or whatever which was fine except that by this stage you've created quite a lot of momentum and you've got this profile that's visible and you know more and more people are asking things or saying i mean the classic thing is wouldn't it be great if we which actually means wouldn't it be great if you did xyz and i'm sure you're very familiar with that one so there was suddenly this need to sustain this and it suddenly started to feel like a little bit of a beast that had got out of control as i say there was other things going on in my life as well but i was just thinking through this, this was like a real tipping danger point and if other groups are going to learn from this I've, I've just got a little list of dangers that i've flagged up which if i had the hindsight i would go oh if you spot this then you know do something about it so one of the little danger things is i think that despite ourselves we can almost be drawn into the notion of a growth model because we always want to do more we want to be a bit bigger um we want to be a bit more visible we want to you know another project and there's something i think that because you're part of a network and you're always hearing stories about what people have done all over the world which is obviously inspiring but it can also set the bar quite high and so certainly me on a personal level i fell into a little bit of a of a trap of oh well unless i'm doing more it's no good which is very much my personality and my character so again back to personality types those people who like to say yes always feel they ought to say yes more and yes again um and there's also something about the fact that even though it's a voluntary group you could end, end up finding yourself in very professional you know contexts talking to other professionals and yet you're sitting there without a job description so you don't you have no boundaries over what you're doing with this transition gift time um you've got no external line manager saying well i really think you've done enough now you know you should 
you know, you, that, that's plenty. Stop now. You're exceeding what, what you need to do. And there's, I think there's, again, a, it's a character thing because it's happened to me in other contexts in my life, but that can really lead to self-exploitation if you're not careful. And I've had other jobs, proper paid jobs, where even with a job description, I've ended up doing that just because, you know, you get excited and you want to do more. So, so the problem, if you've got people like me in a group who often say yes to things, is that what I bumped into was having an unrealistic expectation of what the group as a whole could handle. And so, because we were a voluntary group, we didn't do things that you would do if you were paid in an organisation. So we didn't do proper project assessments or, you know, unpacking exactly what a project would mean if we took it on and the role allocation and, you know, real sitting down thinking about what, you know, what's the time commitments of this? Have we got the skills? We just go, oh, yeah, we'll have a go at that. And so, and I do take responsibility for this. So there were some things that, um, we said yes to that I really wish we hadn't and I think the biggest one of these was the local energy assessment fund this was this was a fund of money to help people in local communities get a better understanding of the energy needs of, of the households where they lived but also do lots of other interesting bits and bobs and the problem with that was it was a it was a fund that where the applications were invited in just before Christmas, the decisions were to be made in January, and then all of this money, it was vast amounts of money, had to be spent by the end of March. And so all of the things I'm saying about actually what we need to do is look at a project and have the space and time to think through, can we handle it, what were the implications on our time? There was such a time pressure to, to go for this grant at all, and I did. And we got the money and then nearly killed myself trying to actually deliver the project because because we didn't have the, you know, I didn't I didn't check out enough whether we had the people in the group willing to, to do the work. So in a way, that was my own fault. But there was something about the system where there was this massive opportunity that I wanted to say yes to. And the time pressure was such that there wasn't time for proper kind of thinking back at grassroots level. So I have to put my hands up to that saying I cocked up. And I, you know, I paid the price for that because it was absolutely knackering. And most of that project was delivered in the year where I finally collapsed and fell apart. But it's something for groups just to be mindful of, that there's often a tension between the speed at which the world works, particularly the world of grant aid in this instance, and the speed at which a voluntary group can realistically have time just to think and check out and, you know, test for... You know, how much of an energy for yes have we got going on here? So I think the other thing I have to fess up to here is that another personality trait is that being a change maker, you know, there's an ego thing can really easily kick in here. And I'm pretty sure it did for me because I'm not a saint. But there's something about the seductiveness of potential and wanting to say yes and wanting to be able to um, make change that matters to you. There's definitely something in there that for me was a bit ego driven. And again... I came a cropper because of it, but I'm sure I'm not the only one out there in transition world who who might resonate with that sense of, oh, it's seductive to be able to do this. You know, I want to make the change happen. And then another thing that our group never really bottomed, well, we didn't bottom it out at all, was this, and I don't know if the network have talked about it, is what do we mean by leadership in a transition context? And it could well there have been conversations that I just haven't been aware of. But it's almost like leadership's a bit of a dirty word. And yet, because we're trying to be, you know, equitable and collaborative, and yet different leaders, if that's even the right word, I don't know, facilitators, motivators, whatever, will pop up from the mix in different places. 
and sometimes leadership can can sometimes just sort of happen without it being thought through or talked about or what what does what does that mean if i'm going to take a lead on this or what what kind of leadership do we want for this particular piece of work and because we never talked about it i think because again of my character and personality i probably took on aspects of leadership in the group which in the end became expectations of the group of me that i then found very hard to break so it got into a little sort of oh, oh chrissy will because chrissy always has rather than stopping and going well hang on a minute how did, how did I get here? So there's that question in my mind. And there's also the other thing, which I think contributed a little bit to my meltdown, was <clears throat> what they don't tell you, because none of us knew when you start doing all of this, is that it can actually make you feel very vulnerable because not everybody out there loves what you're doing. And I can remember when we were doing this energy assessment fund thing, one of the things we were doing was um, training uh, or getting people to train as um, home energy auditors and were had quite a lot in the local press at the time about different things you can do to reduce your energy bills and insulation and blah blah blah. And I'd put my home phone number in the article because if people wanted to come to a particular public meeting, I was going to be the point of contact. And I had a landlord ring up who screamed down the phone at me for about 10 minutes about how dare I... Um, uh, be insisting on all this insulation because in his properties he tried to do that and all he did was have damp running down the walls and it just went on and on and he was literally screaming at me and the only thing I could do Rob was in the end to scream back at him equally loudly so that he could hear that there was another human being on the end of the phone trying not to burst into tears and I just had to ch- kind of talk me down and talk him down until he ended up apologizing because I said look I'm just an individual sitting in my sitting room at home I think if you pack all of that up together with the fact that I was also dealing with some quite difficult stuff in the rest of my life. It's almost like I found myself, well, I actually got ill. I, I was helping deliver the Transition Conference 2012, which was, as you know, an awful lot of work anyway. Um, and brilliant conference. I mean, we'll, I'll never forget that high street that we built as long as I live. Um, I think I came away from that absolutely, completely and utterly depleted to an extent that I had myself, I was diagnosed as clinically, clinically depressed in the end, which is quite a frightening place to be. It is hugely down to the fact that a personality like mine can just end up taking on too much because the energy of yes and the seductiveness of wanting to say yes and actually seeing change happen that you've been part of making happen is so good. Mm. But because we don't have a lot of the things in place like making it like having overt conversations about leadership or having overt conversations about managing our own resources in the way that we're trying to manage the planet's resources. And also we don't have a clear way of how do you step back from a position that you've had in a group and wanting a different position. It's almost like there aren't the models out there yet for how do you renegotiate your relationship. And the only, the only thing I could do was actually to put, to put down everything, stop absolutely everything, because I was, I was so unwell for about a year. I mean, I couldn't work to earn money or do anything much really so uh, so there you go well thank you that's fantastic and, and well fantastic you know what i mean uh, well it is it's, a, <laughs> it's, a le- it's learning and the thing is since then i have done work for the network because i've gone back and i one of the things i do i don't know if you're aware because i've done it via sophie is facilitate groups um who are still at quite the early stages of what they're doing so not long okay. ago i went and worked with salisbury okay. transition city salisbury who were a year old and they were at the position of having had a brilliant launch event that, that, that had knocked their socks off. I mean, they had all the different civic dignitaries there and hundreds of people and and so much energy of yes. And suddenly they were going, but we don't know what to do now. <laughs> you know, yeah, suddenly yeah. All, all of, yeah, 
all of this expectation had been landed on their shoulders and it was very much a case of just of going in and facilitating a session with them where we just honed it down really yeah, i mean it was yeah. that straightforward there's the question that that sophie raises in her blog about saying is there any way in which the way that transition is presented or that the model is presented could could reduce the risk that people are getting involved in burnout you know you mentioned this sort of the this the spirit of yes or the you know that mm. that kind of intention which is which when it works is is as you say is a, a really heady productive it's quite a it's, it's it's quite a powerful kind of energy to harness mm. and as and as you're saying it can just sort of uh, backfire or or you know get a bit out of hand it's like getting a new motorbike you know mm. um is there any way in which transition is presented or that the training happens or the way that as transition network we put transition out there you know you mentioned that there was a sense of looking around elsewhere in the network and hearing all these exciting stories and thinking oh yeah we could do that too and we're a bit inadequate because we haven't started a Mm. bank or whatever you know Mm, exactly is is there any way that that could be done differently do you think well i'm thinking on the hoof now but i'm quite struck with the notion of, of reinventing the notion of the transition job description so that so that because if, if I'm sure if I sat down and thought about it, there are different roles that people like to play. So I've already talked about the analogy of, of you know, the family. We've got the elders who are the, the doers and the shapers and the family who like to drop in and help out every now and then, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there's probably a, definitely an alternative job description list of, of, of types, types of roles that you find. But it could be anything from the fun maker to the peacemaker to the, to the um, I don't know, soapbox stander or whatever. And just just a recognition that that those roles can feel more fun, <laughs> she said. <laughs> so maybe there's something like that. Um, but also, oh, I tell you what, you know, the what is variously referred to as the dognostic or the animal mm-hmm. thing that has been. Well, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's been taken into groups as a kind of health check. And it's on the network website, and it's a sort of list of all the different areas of work that are transition group can find themselves involved in and it's daunting it is actually really daunting if 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 a young well i actually deliberately didn't use it with Salisbury because i thought if they looked at that they're just going to fall apart because it again it sets the bar really really high mm. so i think there's something about there's something about keeping it simple there's something about getting a transition group to determine what its own character is what its own characteristics are, what, mm. you know, not, I mean, it's like, I don't have to be you, I don't have to be Sophie, I don't have to be Ben, I have to be me. But there's something about transition, about trying to be everything to everybody. So maybe there's a there's a piece of work around when a transition group is new, just getting it to to find ways of describing what their their particular stuff is and i don't mean oh that we're skilled in gardening or whatever but just i don't know i'm being woolly there's I, something around that there was a thing i, I just did, interviewed um chris johnson yeah and one of the things that he said was uh about seeing success with new eyes and savoring success you know that actually we tend to if we set what is going to be a, a su- success of our group as being preventing runaway climate change <laughs> then we're not going to have very much success to celebrate very often. 
Absolutely. Whereas actually, and so, you know, you mentioned a number of projects there. Did you get a sense that, that in the group there was enough pausing to celebrate or pausing to say that's a success or often we just tend to then just run headlong off into the next thing because there's just so much to do? Well, we were the group that invented the annual mull, if you remember, where you get the long piece of lining paper out. It's in the companion, isn't it? It's in the companion and you divide it into months and you draw or scribble or however it is you want to get it, what you've done. And that used to be incredibly celebrated because it would give us this, you know, five-yard-long visual representation of of all the good stuff. And and then over the years, because while well, I was with them, we, we did it up three times, each year we'd get old, the old ones out and pin them around the wall and you just saw how the nature of the activity changed. And that mm. felt good. That felt good. So I think we were good at celebrating, but I think I think the key things were saying yes to too much suddenly, and the leaf project was it really, saying too much suddenly to something which didn't have firm enough foundations was a big deal. So I think something else about some kind of blueprint where you can just do a, a, a you know a, a reality check if you like project reality check. I have been, although I, I rethink things a lot now, but I have been some, somebody who's found it quite easy to make things happen. And for better or worse, that's how our group was for five years. Lots of stuff happened. And everyone, you know, until the LEAF project, pretty much everyone was involved in just about everything. And it was, you know, everyone felt very good and there was a real us sense to it. However, if you're aware that you're one of the dynamos in a group, it can be really difficult to decide to step back or change your role because the group will be different. Mm. And so, in a way, I kind of had to stop altogether because the group had to find out who it was without this particular dynamo there. You know, other dynamos would have the chance to come forward. And it just so happens that I think the group has become a lot quieter and probably more sustainable without me there. I don't know. 